Amen. Thank you, ladies. His eye is on the sparrow and he watches over us. That is a, a great promise from God that he cares for us and he watches over us. All right, so, well, this has been an exciting morning already. Uh, we've got to get to look back on what the Lord's done on um, just in Guatemala and with the missions team and see some of the pictures and hear about um, what he's done. And we look forward to hearing more in the next couple of weeks. Um, and also we get to look forward to, at the end of the service, having baptism and uh, rejoicing and celebrating um, the Lord's, what the Lord's doing here in, in Catawba as well and, and, and what he's doing across the world. All right, so we are going to be in looking at the life of John the Baptist this morning. We're going to be looking at the life of John the Baptist. We're actually going to look at a few different passages. So we'll kind of move around a little bit, uh, but it'll be focusing, kind of giving an overview of John the Baptist's life. So before we get started with that, have you ever heard the expression, oh, me and him, we go way back, or or somebody says, me and her, yeah, we go way back. We've, we've heard that. We may have used that before and, you know, referring to people that you just go far back with that you guys have, you know, been through life together for a long time. And um, we're going to see a little bit of an example of that here. And it's actually, they do go way back. Uh, it's going to be looking at John the Baptist and Jesus. And you see it, it actually starts way, way back to uh, when their mothers were pregnant. You see, their mothers were cousins. As you, as you know, the, um, you have Elizabeth and you have Mary. And Elizabeth, is, she's older, and she uh, is you know, old, has not had any children before. And, um, and her husband, Zechariah, you know, they, they have not had any children, but the Lord promises them a child. And, and so she gets pregnant with John the Baptist. So she's pregnant. And then six months later, then that's when you know, Jesus comes in and she, he's, uh, Mary gets pregnant with uh, Jesus. And of course, that's the, the virgin conception and, and Jesus is, is now in the womb. And so here we are, uh, Mary's pregnant with Jesus and Elizabeth is pregnant, pregnant with uh, John the Baptist. And so Elizabeth goes to visit her cousin Mary and uh, she goes there, and we're going to see this in, uh, and this is in the beginning of John. And just for clarity, John, the Gospel of John that we're going to be in is written by John, the disciple John, not John the Baptist. There's two different Johns here, uh, so just, just so that you're aware of that. But we see that uh, Mary is uh, visiting with, with Elizabeth, and as soon as Mary speaks... John the Baptist leaps for joy in his mother's womb. So can, can you kind of imagine, I don't know if you've ever felt like a baby, like in the mother's belly, but you know, they, they sometimes move around and, and you kind of hear them. They respond to, to different things, you know, sometimes they sounds or, or touch. But here we have the first encounter between John the Baptist and Jesus is Mary speaks and John's already jumping for joy at just having, being in the presence of Jesus. So when you hear that they go way back, they really do, all the way back to in the womb. So that's, that's this beginning. That's where it all starts. And, you know, as they, they kind of go their, their different ways, and, you know, Jesus raised by Mary and Joseph, um, John's raised by uh, Elizabeth and Zechariah, and John is actually 
he kind of goes in the wilderness and he starts, um, that's where you hear about he eats the locusts and the honey and uh, all those things. That I, when I was reading about it, I heard someone said that, you know, for John, you know, he was kind of a earthly, uh, down-to-earth, man's man kind of guy. You know, he, he could go eat the bugs and eat the honey from the, the hives and um, and then for his preaching, you know, he didn't go and preach in buildings. He was out there in the open. So uh, the, basically the rock was his pulpit. The, the heavens were his cathedral. The river was his choir. That's, that was John's setting for you know, when he was sharing and preaching to, to um, the crowds. So we're going to look at, in John the Baptist's life, we're going to look at, um, we've already looked at kind of the beginning, how it all started. We're going to look at the the end of his life, and we'll look at the middle you know, part of his life and kind of just see different lessons. These are going to be kind of short, simple lessons that, that we draw from you know, John the Baptist's life. So we're going to start with um, looking at John chapter 1. So you turn your Bible to John chapter 1. We're going to look there and, and see this is basically where it all get started here, the beginning of the Gospel of John. And as we read this, you'll notice, like, this kind of starts a little bit like the beginning of Genesis 1. You know, it's talking about in the beginning, and um, it's going to talk about the power of God. Genesis 1 talks about how, you know, God created the heavens and the earth, you know, the the power that, that God displayed in that. And so we see the same thing here, but it kind of, as we get further in, it kind of almost starts to make a shift, and it seems a little bit out of place, like, why, why are we talking about this right now? You'll see it, it kind of uh, seems to interrupt the flow. But let's just go ahead and start reading in, in uh, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. So that's a pretty powerful opening right there. You know, he's in the beginning, all things were made through him. Um, His light shines, the darkness has not overcome it. And then we get to verse 6, and that's where it kind of, it throws you off a little bit. Verse 6, then there was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. Okay, so that's kind of, here's God, and you know, he was in the beginning, he made it all. And here's John, just an ordinary man. His name was John. He wasn't the, witness, he wasn't the light, he, but he came to bear witness about the light. And you kind of, anybody like to watch the Olympics and, you know, Winter Olympics, Summer Olympics? Um, so just imagine you're kind of watching the, the Summer Olympics and let's say it's the, the hurdle, like the, the sprint, and they're the 500-meter race, and you see the athletes are running. It's kind of a close race, and you're just on the edge of your seat just waiting to see who, who wins, who's going to win and cross that finish line first. And then just imagine that the channel all of a sudden just, kind of flips over to snail racing, which is a thing, by the way. There's, there's snail racing that you can watch that. Maybe you're more into snail racing than you are the Olympics. I don't know. 
But then it goes snail racing, and then it goes right back to the Olympics, and you see them cross the finish line, and who wins, and all that. That's kind of like what's happening here. And the, the thing is that as soon as it talks about John, these three verses, it goes on to say, you know, verse 9, it goes, picks right back up to talking about you know, how Jesus is the light, the true light. He gives light to everyone in the world. Verse 10 says, he made it all. Uh, all things were made through him. So it's almost like something just kind of got, got thrown right in the middle there about John. And it's like, why? Why is John even mentioned here? Uh, why is there, is there any reference to him? We're talking about the power of God, and then you hear about a man named John. Well, that's kind of the point here. That's the point first point that we see in the life of John the Baptist is that Almighty God uses ordinary people. John was an ordinary man and he knew it. You know, he was ordinary. He he was kind of even more ordinary than most people, just eating bugs and um, just your your average man, your average Joe, or in this case your average John. He was ordinary, and, and so God uses ordinary people. Almighty God uses ordinary people. Why? Why is? Well, that's you see that all through the Bible. You know, you see the almighty power of God, and then you see the ordinary people that God you know, incorporates in what He's doing. You see it all the way back in. Uh, if you look at uh, the story of Jesus, actually, uh, Aaron just talked about it in children's church our uh, children's worship, that, you know, here Jesus is multiplying the bread and the, the fish. He's doing the miraculous. He's the one that's m- making it multiply. And, but he's, he's letting the disciples go ahead and pass it out. He's using ordinary people. Or when you see that uh, he raises Lazarus. He does what only he can do. He raises Lazarus from the dead. He says, Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus raises from the dead. But then he tells the people, go ahead and move the stone and unwrap him. He lets the ordinary people come and, and be a part of it. And that's the way God, God has done it, and, and God has always done it. So it's no different here. It's talking in, here in the beginning, beginning of John. He made it all. He's, he is the light. He's the life. Um, that He's above all of it. And then there's a man named John. So why did six months before Jesus came in the world, he sent, he sent John. He sent a forerunner so that he could be using an ordinary man to kind of lead the way to the coming of, of his son, of the coming of Jesus. And the, the thing is that the greatest thing that God used John for is the, the same thing that God uses us for as the greatest thing. And that's in verse 7. We see it in verse 7 that John came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. That's the greatest thing that John did and that he came to bear witness. He came to point to Jesus and lead people to Jesus and say, Jesus is the Messiah. He's the Savior. He's the way. And And God used him to do that. Is that's the same thing God uses us to do, to bear witness about the light, to share the love of, and the hope of Christ to others, to, that they may have that relationship with Him. That's what this trip to Guatemala was about. That's what these baptisms are celebrating this morning. That we are 
leading others to Christ and seeing more come into his family, just as John the Baptist did. So we're going to jump to the end of John the Baptist's life. We'll come back to the middle, but let's look at the end of his life real quick and then see some lessons. So we see here, the first lesson we learn from John is Almighty God uses ordinary people. Okay, so to set the stage here, we're going to be in uh, looking at uh, Matthew chapter 11, but let me just set the stage here. So John is now in prison. He's been preaching, and uh, he's been uh, basically leading the way for, for Jesus' ministry, and he gets arrested. And so you, you probably know the story. He, king Herod's king in that time, and uh, King Herod ends up marrying Philip, which is his brother's, uh, he marries Philip's wife, which is, her name's Herodias, and John tells him that, you know, that it is not right for, it's not lawful for you to marry your brother's wife, and King Herod doesn't like that, and so he has him arrested, puts him in prison. So now, Jesus is still going about his ministry, uh, you know, he hasn't been, his ministry has not come to uh, a halt yet, you know, he hasn't been, you know, uh, led to the cross, and that's, that's coming later. But before all that happened, uh, we have John the Baptist is in prison. And so, just remember that he's, he's in prison, and I'm good, in, in addition to kind of saying the, the, the stage here as far as where, uh, where he's at, he's specifically in the geography. The prison that he's at is uh, it's called in the city of Machaerus, and basically, that's the furthest east out of all of King Herod's palace, like in, in his, where he ruled. That's as far east as you can get. And so here's John in prison. You, you wonder, why, why does it matter that he's in the farthest east part of you know, Herod's kingdom, not that he's in prison there? Well, I'll get to that in a second. So it says, and we'll read the first two verses, and then we'll look at what, what it's talking about here. So, uh, Matthew 11, starting verse 1. When Jesus had finished instructing his 12 disciples, he went on from there to teach and preach in their cities. Now, when John heard in prison about the deeds of the Christ, he sent word by his disciples. Okay, so John's in prison for doing what's right. I mean, he, he spoke the truth. He was preaching. He was sharing, leading the way to, uh, for Jesus. But he still found himself in prison. And you know what? As you know, John is not the only one that, that this happens with. Uh, we see that Joseph did the right thing. He found himself in prison. Paul, doing the right thing as a missionary, he found himself in prison. David, seeking to serve God, be after God's own heart, he finds himself fleeing for his life, uh, running from King Saul. Same with Daniel. Daniel's doing the right thing. He sees himself in the lion's den. So it's a recurring theme. What's the lesson here? What's the lesson that we learned seeing John the Baptist in prison? Like I said, this is, it's, these are short, simple lessons um, that we're, we're drawing from John. But here's what it is. Life is not always easy. I don't think that's a newsflash to anybody. I don't think that's something, you know, super uh, out, of, out of the ordinary for you to hear. But it's not always easy. And sometimes doing the right thing doesn't always 
make it easier for you. In fact, sometimes it makes it harder. Sometimes to serve God, just like it was for Joseph and Paul and David and Daniel or John the Baptist, sometimes it makes it, it, makes it tougher. So John's in, in prison, and what's Jesus doing? Go back to verse 1. Jesus finishes instructing his 12 disciples. Jesus kind of, John's ministry is coming to an end. Jesus is starting to ramp up. He instructs his disciples, and then he went on from there to teach and preach in their cities. Um, in the parallel uh, passage, Luke chapter 7, we'll talk about this um, as well, and it'll actually tell us that the cities that Jesus went to were uh, Capernaum and Nain. And remember how I told you that John the Baptist is in prison way over here in the east? Well, Jesus starts going to preach in the cities that are out west. So Jesus starts going the opposite direction once John gets arrested and, and put in prison. And you kind of think, well, wait a second, like, you know, Jesus, John just got arrested. He just got put in prison. He's, this is your cousin. This is your, your blood. This is your forerunner. This is your prophet. He's your man. And you're going the other way. You're going the other direction. That doesn't make sense. And that's the, that's the second thing we see in John's, John's life, that not only is life not always easy, but it doesn't always make sense. It doesn't always make sense. And that's the same John is seeing that in his life right now. He says that, uh, in the fact, you see this expression of John's kind of confused. He's, he's hurt. He's got questions. Um, because he's, when he sends his disciples, he sends them and asks them the question in verse 3. John sends his disciples, and in verse 3 it says, that he has the disciples ask Jesus, are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? So you can imagine the hurt that John's experiencing right now. This is, my cousin's not even, he's going the other way. Um, this is, and even more than that, this is, this is the Messiah. This is the Savior who's, who I'm, I'm the one that's been preaching him and, and going before him and leading the way. And he's, he's going the other way. And so John kind of, he's kind of grappling here and he says, you know, he sends his disciples to Jesus and says, basically, what gives? Are you, are you the one or have I been doing this all for nothing? Are you, what's the... What's the meaning of this? How do I make sense of this? And that's something that John is wrestling with, and it's, it's real, and it's, um, you can see the, the heartache that, that John's experiencing in this. But you see that the way that John, that Jesus answers John, or you know, he answers this question, is um, he goes on and tells tells John an answer. But before I get to Jesus' answer, let me just go ahead and tell you how this all ends with John John the Baptist. Uh, so John the Baptist, he's in prison, and how does the story end? He, does King Herod just say, change his mind, say, okay, I'll, I'll let you go. All right, just go ahead and you're free to go. No, it happens with other disciples in, in the Bible, but it doesn't happen with John the Baptist. Um, does he just miraculously escaped prison, and uh, he's got 
his chains break and he's free. No, again, it happens in, in other disciples' life, but it doesn't happen with John. Now, how does it end with John? Well, so like I said, there's King Herod and Herodias. Well, after all this happened, Herodias, his, his wife, does not like John the Baptist because he basically called out the sin that, that was there. And so King Herod throws a party, uh, and at that party, Herodias' daughter, she comes and dances, and, and King Herod tells her, okay, whatever you want, up to half my kingdom is yours. Well, just name it. What do you want? Well, Herodias basically tells her daughter, I want John the Baptist's head on a platter. And King Herod can't go back on his word. He's the king. He, he's got to honor his word. So he does just that. So that's how this John life comes to an end. He gets beheaded. And meanwhile, Jesus is still preaching over in, in these other cities. So what's the other thing we see in John's life here is life is short. Because remember, John and Jesus are only six months apart. And John, so if Jesus is doing his earthly ministry when he's 30, John's about 30 as well. So here he is, John's 30-year-old John's in prison. He's just been serving God and ends up um, being beheaded. And so this is, this is the, what we see. It's not always easy. It doesn't always make sense, and it is short. And you're probably thinking, well, this is supposed to be an encouraging message. I mean, you're kind of laying some, some heavy, heavy uh, lessons here. Well, we'll get to an encouraging part of this passage in a second. That's why I paused here. Because the encouragement comes in the, the response that Jesus gives to the question that uh, John's disciples asked. So in, in verse uh, 4, he says, Go back and tell John what you hear and see. Go, go and tell him. And this is, this is what it is. The blind receive their sight. The lame walk. Lepers are cleansed. The deaf hear. The dead are raised. The poor have good news preached to them. He basically, he's quoting from Isaiah when he says this. But what Jesus is saying is, go tell him exactly what's happening. Go tell him that I'm fulfilling all the promises that God had given, that all of the things that the prophet said that the Messiah would do, I'm doing them. I'm doing them. And that's, that's the answer that Jesus gives. He quotes from Isaiah. He says, go back and tell John exactly how it is. So that's the... This final lesson here in this part of John's life is simply this. God's promises are always bright. God's promises are always bright. Because it is, that is exactly how it happened, that you, the, the lame were walking, the blind were seeing, the deaf were hearing, the dead were being raised. All those things, you read the Gospels, Jesus is fulfilling them all. And that's the answer to all those previous three, three lessons that we were looking at. So when life is not easy, what's God's promise? That he's with us? That he'll never leave us or forsake us? When life doesn't make sense, what's God's promise? That he works all things together for those who love him? 
When life is short, what's God's promise? That he gives eternal life that's everlasting. And here's, here's what we're seeing here in John's life. Is something that, that we all learn in our own lives too. Because we look at the clock, and God looks at the calendar. We see the small picture, God sees the big picture. We see the puzzle pieces, God sees the full puzzle. We see the threads, God sees the pattern. We see the strokes, God sees the painting. God sees the full picture. John didn't see the full picture while he was in prison. John didn't see the full picture while he was waiting to be beheaded. John didn't see the full picture when his cousin, when his savior went the opposite direction when he was arrested. But God's promises are always bright. I read a story about a missionary that it kind of aligns with, with this, this concept of God's promises being bright. I'll just read you about this missionary and his life. Um, some of you may have, be familiar with him as a um, missionary, Adoniram Judson. So here's, here's his story. With only his wife, Judson went as a pioneer into a land of millions where there was not one known Christian at that time. They labored six long, soul-crushing, heartbreaking years before their first convert came to Christ. Judson had to master the complex Burmese language without the aid of any textbooks. On the mission field, he suffered the untimely deaths of two wives, three children, and a number of co-workers. Judson was incarcerated for nearly two years in a squalid prison, filthy, shackled, and hanging upside down much of the time. His fellow, his fellow or the few Burmese followers faced a constant threat of persecution. Still, Judson persevered in his work of preaching and translation. How did he do it? When he returned to Boston for his only furlough, Judson was asked by a prominent printer, do you think the prospects are bright for the speedy conversion of the heathen? Judson promptly replied, as bright as the promises of God, Amazingly, after his death, a Burmese government survey recorded 210,000 Christians. Today, there are nearly 4 million Burmese believers. As bright as the promises of God, that's, that's all he said. So anytime, what's the prospect of this? As bright as the promises of God. What's the, the forecast for this? As bright as the promises of God. And Judson isn't the only missionary, uh, just like John isn't the only disciple that... that Realized this. One other missionary that I'll mention, and I'll just give you the recap of him, but that's uh, uh, David Livingstone, who went to Africa. He dealt with his own share of, of uh, hardships. He, he lost loved ones as well. He dealt with his own illnesses, had his arm even crushed by a lion at one point. And he went and stood before, when he was back in England, went before a college, and they asked him to speak. And he said, he listed out everything that he had been through. He said, I've been through these illnesses, came to um, life-threatening illnesses where I was hanging on by a thread, 
multiple times. I, I have been attacked by a lion. I've lost my loved ones, my own family. He said, you, you asked me what has carried me through and sustained me all those years in, in doing that. And he, he read the verse that, where Jesus said, Behold, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. And, and Livingstone said, On these words I have staked my life, and they have never failed me. Can you stake your life on the promises of God? Can you trust that, that he is, that the promises are still bright? So when we see that life doesn't, it's not always easy, it doesn't always make sense, and it's short, we have to remember that God's promises are bright. All right, and we're going to finally look at kind of the middle of, of John's life. And as you know, John died when he was 30, so the middle of his life was really just adulthood. But for the last passage here, uh, we're going to be in... Uh, John chapter 3. John chapter 3. A lot of times when you say John chapter 3, people think, oh, John, you know, the story of Jesus with Nicodemus, and, you know, of course, verse 16, John 3, 16, God so loved the world. But sometimes we forget that, yes, that is, you know, the beginning of John chapter 3, but the end of John chapter 3 is actually about John the Baptist. So here's what we're going to look at here. Uh, in John chapter 3, starting in verse 4. This is so here, now John's answering a question. Uh, his disciples came and asked him about Jesus and said, you know, he's, he's been baptized and people have been following him. What do you have to say about him? And here's what John said. So we'll, we'll read starting in verse uh, 27. John answered, a person cannot receive even one thing unless it is given him from heaven. You yourselves bear me witness that I said, I am not the Christ, but I have been sent before him. The one who has the bride is the bridegroom. The friend of the bridegroom, who stands and hears him, rejoices greatly at the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is now complete. He must increase, but I must decrease. He who comes from above is above all. He who is of the earth belongs to the earth and speaks in an earthly way. He who comes from heaven is above all. He bears witness to what he has seen and heard, yet no one receives his testimony. Whoever receives his testimony sets his seal to this, that God is true. For he whom God has sent utters the words of God, for he gives his spirit without measure. The Father loves the Son and has given all things into his hand. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. Okay, so this is John's, John's response here. And real quick, we're just going to look at just a few different takeaways just from what John answers here and in in his response and as an adult before he had been uh, executed. The first one is, is what he said in the very first verse here in this, in, that we've looked at. Verse 27, John said, a person cannot receive even one thing unless it is given him from heaven. All right, so that's plain and simple. It all, it's all from him. It's all from God. John recognized that. It all comes from God. 
It's all a blessing from God. You know, just like what James said, that every good and perfect gift is from above. So that's the first lesson. I'm going to kind of run through these a little quicker. So it, it's all from him. The second thing that you see in John's from, uh, takeaway from John here is be humble. The Bible talks a lot about that, being humble. Um, you know, Pastor Stephen mentioned that last week about your pride and humility. And uh, John the Baptist, he makes it clear. I mean, he says, Jesus is the bridegroom, I'm the friend. He, he's the one that's got the bride, that's us, the church. I'm the one that stands by and rejoices at his voice. And, and, and then he says, I must decrease, he must increase. You know, John had that humility of saying, not me, it's him, not I, but Christ. So, uh, it's all him, be humble. The next thing that John says is, where he says that, in him my joy is complete. Uh, he says, you know, the bridegroom has come, and I stand here and I rejoice, and my joy is complete. That's verse uh, 29. My joy is complete. So, what's John saying there? Joy is found in Jesus. Simple, simple lesson. Joy is found in Jesus. It's kind of neat to see kind of the circle of that little baby that was jumping for joy in, in his mother's womb when he just was in the presence of Jesus. Is now as an adult, he's saying that joy is, is still there and still found in, in Christ. That's, and my joy is complete in him. And Jesus said that himself in John 15. I have spoken these things to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. His joy is, is complete. His joy is full. Now that brings us to the, the, the next lesson. He gives the Spirit without measure. You know, John said that it comes from him, it's all from him, and that he gives us the Spirit without measure. You know, the Ephesians said that exceedingly above, above all that we can ask abundantly, um, God is able so John, John saw that, that his, he gives his spirit without measure and that you know, there's no limit to it. There's no limit to God. And then the last thing that we see here, and then this will be the end of the lessons that we, we learn from John's life, is what John says at the very end of this passage where he says, uh, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Again, that's... That's basically the same thing that Jesus was saying 20 verses earlier in John 3.16. You know, God so loved the world, whoever believes in him will have everlasting life. John's echoing this. But that's really, it takes you all the way back to you know, what in the beginning, you know, where you're reading John chapter 1, that's what John came to bear witness about. So that, that lesson is simply Jesus saves. That's what John's sharing. That's what... God called us to share. Jesus saves. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Now, I'll close with this. We don't really know what happened from the time that, that John sent his disciples to Jesus and then the time that he was actually beheaded. We don't really have records of, of what happened between, between that. But if I was going to give my guess, and again, this is just my guess, so don't take this as Bible knowledge. My guess would be that the disciples, they went back, 
They took what Jesus had said to them. They went back and they told John exactly what Jesus said. And they said, hey, this is what we've heard and seen. This is what Jesus said to us. Um, Isaiah is being fulfilled. The blind are seeing. The deaf are hearing. The lame are walking. The dead are being raised. And they, they just you took that all back to John. And my guess would be that John heard that and it reminded him that lesson that we just looked at, that God's promises are bright. That all those things that John had been paving the way for and sharing, the Messiah is coming, all that the prophets have been speaking of, Jesus was doing. Jesus was doing it right in then and right there. And, and my guess would be that when John heard that, all that heartache and confusion and uh, just brokenness, it just started to settle, and that he realized Jesus is doing exactly what he, he was, said he was going to be doing. He's fulfilling exactly what the Messiah was going to be fulfilling, and that he's, he's fulfilling all those promises, and that the ultimate promise, what John's saying right here in verse 36, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, that ultimate promise, Jesus is getting ready to fulfill in John's life right then and there because it's shortly after that John gets beheaded and he realizes that, yes, life is short. Yes, life doesn't always make sense. Yes, uh, it's not easy. But this is the hope that we have. This is the bright promise that we have and that John was able to step back and, and when he looked to... You know, the days leading up to his execution, you know, I believe that John was saying, okay, I'm ready to kind of cash in on that final promise that God has, that, you know, the promise of eternal life. And that's what, because, because it wouldn't be shortly after that Jesus was going to the cross to, to provide just that eternal life because of his sacrifice on the cross. So John kind of saw that. He got a little bit of a glimpse of that big picture that he had been missing before. So I'm going to invite Lori to come up. She'll play, and I just want you to reflect a little bit. Just take time to, we kind of saw a few different lessons that we can draw from John, and maybe some are more specific that, you know, to you in this time in your life. Uh, maybe some of you are here, and you need to, you need to humble yourselves. You need to ask yourself, do I really seek for him to increase and me to decrease? Some of you may need to accept that Almighty God wants to use ordinary you. Some of you need to say, here I am, Lord. Make me, mold me, shape me, use me. Some of you here Life hasn't been easy lately. It hasn't made sense. Or maybe you're seeing that life is short. Maybe you've lost a loved one that you felt like it was too soon for that to be happening. Or maybe it may even be your own life that, you, that you're, you're asking about, the brevity of it. Maybe you need to remind yourself of the promises of God 
Maybe you need to remind yourself that He is with you. That He does not leave you or forsake you. That He's with you to the end of the world. That you can stake your life on that. That His promises are bright. Maybe you need to see where your joy is found. Is your joy complete in Him? Is your joy full? Like Jesus said, you find your joy to be full in Him? Because those things are not mutually exclusive. Life cannot make sense and not be easy, but you still have joy found in Him. And maybe you need to see how He gives His Spirit without measure. That God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, far more than you can ask or think. And maybe you just need a reminder that we see the clock, God sees the calendar. We see the here and now, God sees the forever and always. We see see the temporary, God sees the eternal. We see our present moment, God sees our life all together in the full picture. We have, if any of those things are things that God is working and lay in your heart, whether it's humility or or trust or joy, whatever it is that, that God's working in your heart, pray that you just look at and come to that place where you say, Lord, I'm resting in your promises. The altar is open if anybody wants to to come and and just pray and and lay that before the Lord. And and there's things that we can be praying for here on the the slips. And I'm going to just invite you to lift up your lift up your your voices and and prayer and in your hearts. And and let's uh, let me just pray and. Just thank the Lord for for His bright promises and that He is He is the one that fulfills all of them, every one of them in our lives. And the ultimate one, which is eternal life. Father, it is all you. All that we have comes from you. All that we can be, will be. That's because of you, Lord. All we've got, all we have, all our plans, all our dreams, they, they're from your hands, God. The psalm says that you open your hand, God, you satisfy the desire of every living thing. We just sang about his eye being on the sparrow. 
and he watches over me. God, remind us that you watch over us. Remind us that you care for us. You love us with an everlasting love and that just as we see in John's life, it's the same is true in our life, that you hold it all together and we can trust you through all of it. Thank you for your bright promises. Thank you for the ultimate promise of eternal life in you and your son, Jesus. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.